pleasure to introduce Richard Cornish. We're staying. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Stick, stick around, gentlemen. Um, <clears throat> we're going to go a little bit underwater. This is the, one of the things, gentlemen, that I find uh, so interesting about talking about fisheries is that we have this almost this... Uh, this meniscus, this, this layer between us and an underwater world, another land, another, it's another place, another world. And unless you've got scuba gear or really, really good uh, underwater drones, it's really hard to actually go under the, under the water and have a look what's going on. So a lot of today we're going to be actually talking about the underwater environment uh, because what so you see on land is basically replicated down, downstairs under the sea with a whole lot of different species. And we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about what's there. We're going to be talking about the ancient traditions of what's there as well because the traditions about underwater out in the land out at sea go from back for many many, 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 many generations. And also, Hilary, I forgot to let everyone know that today's discussion has been recorded for Apollo Bay FM. And, and oh, hello, Apollo Bay we'll, FM. We'll, we'll be a, and we'll be a podcast later in the year. I'll put on my radio voice. And uh, if, you want a, if you want to, if you want a sunshade <laughs> and a pair and a Coke, head out to Apollo Bay Black Thunder out in the car bar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Free giveaways. Free giveaways. And um, so, so that conversation will be made public. So anything that goes on in this room doesn't stay in the room. Everyone remember that? And, what, and that's exciting. That's good. We've got and, lots of great messages to put out there. And you could hear, I could hear Frosty biting his tongue because he knew that. He was, <laughs> he, he normally unleashes. <laughs> um, this is a great, this is a great, um, this is a great uh, lobster. Lobster town, and I love the the, the fact that we, we uh, have got all these lobsters caught off cray boats in cray pots. These wonderful lobsters, um, not not giving a hard time about nomenclature or anything like that. Mum still calls them crays. She's a South Australian. That's fine. Okay, so that's fine. She calls it a, 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 a bag of port. So she buys one a week. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know, my mum's retirement plan. Anyway, so we're going to go underwater now. We're going to find out exactly what's going underwater with our beautiful uh, Southern Rock lobsters, where they come from, how they how they actually reproduce themselves, and how they actually, you know, how do we know how many. Uh, many are, are there, and we're really lucky to have from uh, um, Victorian Fisheries Authority um, Dave Riley, who is a, a fisheries scientist. Okay, Dave, good morning. Morning, Good morning. Yeah. And next to me from Otway Ocean Care is Ollie Kerr, and you guys have been working uh, with the local fishers uh, to actually uh, to survey what is underwater. Yes. Before, before we even start about survey, can you tell us about the, uh, the breeding life of the Southern Rock Lobster? Just a, just a quick snapshot. Um, I, I guess firstly I'd just like to say that these guys here sitting at the, at the table have been a, a large part of our, our research. And as, as Marcus sort of said about, you know, the rock lobster fishery is very closely managed and most of our data comes from the, the commercial sector and their daily catch returns, but not only that, um, voluntary pot sampling, where fishermen you know, measure, measure their catch each day and provide all that length frequency information to us. Um, also, letting onboard observers get on their, on their boats and, and record length, sex and other information about the lobster. So all that information is fit into our stock assessment models and um, we have a, an annual assessment and then we set the um, total allowable catch based on, on that information. What about tagging? You've tagged a few lobsters. Uh, how many? 25,000? Yeah, we've had, we've had a lot. There's, there's been sort of over, over 60,000, no, no, 100,000 odd lobsters tagged. We look at growth and movement. Um, 
Russell's, Russell's reported, you know, it relies on fishermen actually catching and reporting those, um, those tags and that information so we can work out growth rates and movement. And Russell's been a, a massive help in, in that project, as have other fishermen, but um, particularly around this area. So certainly appreciate uh, their efforts. But I guess getting back to what Richard asked and the, and the question at hand, we've had a, another project going since 94. We've been looking at Pyrrhus. And Pyrrhus is sort of the last larval stage of a rock lobster. So quickly, how the life cycle works, female lobsters will, will mate sort of late autumn um, into early winter. They'll molt first, so they lose their shell, they get ready for, for mating. Um, they produce eggs, which they um, fertilise and transfer onto the, onto the hairs or, or the um, near the pleopods on their tails. And you'll, you know, like a yabby, you've seen them, they hold the eggs under the tail until they mature. So like a, a mature female looks like she's carrying a, like a cricket ball size um, bundle of eggs under her tail. So, you know, it can be sort of half a million up to, up to a million, depending on the size of the, of the lobster. Um, they grow, continue to grow, and then sort of early, early spring, um, they will release those eggs. And the larvae are released in the water column. They just become part of the, part of the plankton at the mercy of the currents. Um, seismic testing. Yes, and everything else that, you know. Which kills plankton. <laughs> whales and, and fish and, and everything else. So for, for 18 months to two years, they just float around in the ocean. Um, they go through a series of, of molts or, or changes. Um, they look nothing like a lobster at this stage. And then when it's time for them to, to settle out, they'll, they'll find a substrate, they'll, they'll go to the bottom, and they become what we call the pyrrolus. And at that stage, they're, they're non-feeding. They're oh, probably about three centimetres long. Um, they're clear. And, and then they get pigment over a period of, period of series of molts, and they become like a little juvenile lobster. So. What Ollie's group's helping us with is a, is a project that we started back in 94. We've been doing it in Apollo Bay for all those years, but it relied on diving. And we've sort of been looking at a, at a cheaper or alternative method. And um, we've got a series of oyster baskets suspended under the um, floating pontoons in the harbour. And uh, these perilous are looking for a, a substrate or something to settle into. So they're settling into these baskets. And Ollie and his wonderful team at Botway Ocean Care are coming down each, each month on the full moon, and they haul those baskets up, sort all the perilous, do a count and a measure for us, and, and that data comes back to us. And that, whilst it doesn't go into our model, it's, it's indicative of what we, we sort of hope to see in the fishery in probably you know, six to seven years' time. So it's a bit of a, a window into what the future of the resource might be. Um, and I'm happy to say that we did have a, a massive settlement of Pyrrhus back in sort of July, August this last year um, that we haven't seen the likes of since about 2008. So with, with lobster, it's not a, you, you'll get recruitment each year into the fishery, but it's, it's, it, you get, it sort of comes in pulses. So we'll have, you know, a, a big pulse that will sort of drive the fishery for a, for a number of years. Um, and, I, and I guess, you know, that's sort of the challenging thing is with, particularly as Marcus said, with our eastern Eastern Zone fishery is that we're sort of on the edge of that um, environmental change and all those, you know, warmer currents coming down the east of Australia and things that are affecting, potentially affecting settlement, and uh, and that's that's why we're sort of not seeing the the catches that we're sort of 
we're hoping to hoping to see and the, and the rebuild in that eastern zone. Let's just let's break down a little bit. What yep. what, what are those factors that are seeing uh, this if we, uh, this longer term uh, drop in recruitment? What what are those factors? You mentioned climate. Yeah, well, we don't we don't really know. I guess the the, the one thing that we are seeing in that sort of productivity of our of our fisheries is that you know in, in rock lobster terms, the, the whole southeast of Australia, it's not just Victoria, like Tasmania, South Australia. And Victoria have sort of seen this stepwise reduction over the, you know probably the last 15 or 20 years, and uh, and I guess the challenges with you know what we do with with um, fisheries and and sort of setting catch limits and things is sort of managing around those those declines. Not to say that we don't have you know peaks and troughs in between, but we we have sort of seen this. You know, if you look at going way back in history, you'll see this sort of stepwise decline. So, you know, there's. there's I guess our rock lobster fishery is, you know, susceptible to, you know, these these Australian currents and things. We don't really understand those processes, but we're just sort of trying to manage around that. Okay, so you just said the eastern current. That's the, the big current that goes down the yep. east of Australia, yep. and that's the current, and that is warming and changing the way that the yep. water patterns are working around the east coast of Australia. Yeah. Yep. Driving lots of environmental and species yep. changes. Yes. Okay. Well, yep. and we'll be touching upon that later on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ollie Kerr for the Otway uh, Ocean Care. Um, what, do, what, what does Otway Ocean Care do? Um, I, I, I might just quickly step back there. So, okay. so I, I work for the Southern Otway Landcare Network, um, which represents a bunch of volunteer groups. We've got four landcare groups, community nursery, beekeeping group, mushroom and fungi group, and Otway Ocean Care. Um, and so mostly run by volunteers, but, and then yeah, so Otway Ocean Care itself is a group with three main aims. Um, so one of them is education, um, there's an incredible array of, of life out in the ocean that people know very little about. You know, amazing diversity and an amazing amount of species that you know, aren't even identified. No one knows what they do, how they breed, you know, anything about them. Um, so yeah, just trying to help people learn more about that so we can have more people interested and involved. Um, we also do citizen science, um, so trying to get out there and record what's there. There's once again very little research aside from the commercial species. You know, no one knows if, if numbers are going up or down and especially for undescribed species, you know, like no one's even been out and said this is what this is, you know, let alone how many there are or where they are. And, um, and so encouraging people to use iNaturalist, um, which is a really excellent app or you can get it on your computer as well. But what's, based it, what's it called, sorry? iNaturalist. Okay. So just the letter I and the naturalist. and Basically, you can take a photo of any living thing or, or a sound recording, you know, a mushroom, a seaweed, a, a, a butterfly, um, a sea slug, whatever, and you can get on your phone, you can get on your computer, and it'll give you a computer-generated guess as to what it is, and then um, invariably someone else from the community, because it's a public record, will, will look at it and tell you what they think it is as well. And so if, if two people confirm the identification, then it goes on the Australian Living Atlas database. So it contributes to our official records, which is really beneficial as well. Um, and, and it's a great tool for yourself as well to, to learn what's out there because you end up with a list of everything you've seen, all the different species, and, and yeah, you can learn what things are that you don't know. Well, what interests me, being an outsider coming to, to your community, is that uh, Pollock Bay and the Otway Colac region are dotted with individuals like, like yourself 
who are not only doing research, but also doing uh, the dissemination of knowledge as well. So you go to a pub, you go to a farmer's market, you go surfing, and there's going to be someone there who has this information. And so this is what I, what I think is one of the most amazing parts about your community, is that people like you are going out there, you're going, you're doing that, you're on the land, you're underwater, you and your mates, and you're telling us the stories because not, not everyone has that time. Is that a part of advocacy? Is that, is that an essential part of ad advocacy these days? Most certainly, and it's not, you know, this is something I do for work, so, you know, I'm paid to do it, but the, the, the people who are really doing it are the hundreds of volunteers we have who would do it for free. Um, but, but, yeah, you can't... You can't protect something if you don't care about something. You can't care about something if you don't know about it. So, exactly that. You know, we we really want to to tell people about this this beautiful world we have, so that people can can realise how amazing it is and become passionate about it and and act to you know look after it. And so yeah, so we do a lot of educational workshops. We had one yesterday on shells. Um, we've got one on Saturday on fish, and then um, who is that? Uh, so it'll be run up at Wildlife Wonders. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll advertise it. If, if you want to hear about our work, you can go on the Solon website and sign up to our mailing list, um, Southern Upway Landcare Network. And one, one more time for the old people like me, please. <laughs> so it's www.soln, Southern Otway Landcare Network .org, um, and you go subscribe. And there's just a little survey you fill out. What do you want to hear about? Beekeeping, ocean care, the mushroom and fungi group. And depending what you choose, you'll get emails about those activities. Um, and yes, yeah, so that, that's a great way you can find out what's going on. I love that it's a single continuum from the top of the old ways down to the shoreline and underwater <laughs> as well. And that, that, that's what I love about what the work you guys do. Underwater, you're working, you're working with VFA, you're working with, with uh, Dave. Uh, so you're, you and your mates, you're going on the full moon. Why the full moon? Why are you going underwater to look at these pots at the full moon? <laughs> I'm not the scientist here, but my, my understanding is that at, at the full moon there's larger water movement and so maybe more likely that the perilous settle out, but it also might just be for consistency. Dave might be able to correct me on that though. Yeah, look, this is, this is something that's sort of been done not in Victoria alone, but was sort of, um, I guess, initiated in New Zealand many years ago and, and the other states do it as well. And um, yeah, the full moon, Ollie's probably right about water movement and so on, but I guess again for, for consistency, but there's, there's perhaps thoughts that things happen and settlements sort of happen more around that, that full, full moon period. But, um, yeah, you also see your way around at night as well. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we do it during the day, but you want to party on afterwards. So. <laughs> um, now look, our, our time is really tight today. Um, is there anything we, we wanted to cover off on? Yeah, just because I didn't get a chance to, to chat. Is there anything you wanted to talk about further about, about the, what you're doing? Well, I would, I would just like to say that, you know, whilst it's, it's great for us that the work can continue with, with Oliver's group, I think that the big th thing for me is that, you know, I, I come down occasionally, but basically Oliver and his team sort of run this program for us now. But every time I've been down here, whether it's a sunny, bright day or it's pretty gloomy and, and miserable, all his team are so enthusiastic and they just, they get in there and, you know, from, from old to, to young, they're just little toddlers that are learning about not only perilous, but all the other marine creatures that, you know, come up in these, in the uh, oyster cages. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just a, just a great educational 
environment for the for the youngsters. So it, it, it's really exciting. So as Dave said, you know, obviously the reason we do it is yeah. to monitor the perilous, the the larvae of the rock lobster. But you get all sorts of weird and wonderful things, all beautiful, colourful sea slugs and <laughs> octopus. This is the word weird. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. What what's some of the weird stuff that's happening down underwater? Um, you get, we found this cool thing the other day called a skeleton shrimp, it's about that big, it just looks like a little piece of seaweed and we saw the seaweed moving and anyway we took a photo of it and put it on iNaturalist and someone told us what it was and it's a skeleton shrimp and it's a, it, it's basically attached at the bottom and it has, it's like one of those big blow up things you see in a shop, <laughs> but, but just in, you know, a centimetre long, so, but yeah. there's incredible things like that and I don't know if you, if you know your sea slugs at all, but Google sea slug when you get home if you haven't seen sea slugs before and all sorts of cool ascidians and what's sea an ascid squirts. What's an Ascidian, uh, <laughs> once again, not a marine biologist, but um, it, uh, as far as I know, it's a colony forming animal. But basically, it's this weird, like, the one we get is a ladder ascidian, which is a weird growth you get covering and, and blocking up the perilous traps so you don't get as many perilous, but yeah. beautifully colourful, all, all different colours. And I don't know how, we, how would you describe an ascidian? No, I, I think it is an animal, but it's it's a colony forming animal. So you want, from, you want from Deke, want to throw in there? <laughs> I think he's done a good job of describing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just watching. Yeah. We've got a whole lot of scientists from from uh, from, from Marine Parks Australia and uh, and Deke, and they're just nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, people would sort of probably know like sea squirts and things like that. Um, those those big squirters that you see on the on the rocky inshore, mm. they're they're a type of ascidian, but there's a there's a whole lot of different varieties mm. of them. But yeah, they're a very sort of primitive organism. But um, what's, yeah, very interesting. What's really what we were saying before? What we were saying before about uh, having to um, what you're saying before about we have to know what's there. We have to qualify and quantify, which is mm. a really which is a really Western way of thinking. Yeah, uh, a way of thinking about. So we need numbers, we need stats, we need dates and times. I mean, you're talking about actual that as well, but also connection back mm. to the land, back to land to the sea, back to country as well. Mm, I totally so, yeah, so it's also an emotional thing. It's a learning thing. It's touching. It's smelling. Mm. It's actually tasting. If mm. we, if we, um, yeah. we maybe down to tin tax while we're here at the seafood festival. So it's just uh, the way the way this community work is is that whole like, holistic way of looking at looking at things. We've got yeah. fi you know, commercial fishers, you know, and, and next next to next to activists and conservationists. Well, that's right. There's, I guess in nature, there's nothing sort of in isolation. And um, you affect one one thing, and you, you're affecting something else. So you, you've got to look at it as a whole. And I think the brilliant thing is here, we're all on the same page. You know, like the the fishermen are conservationists, and the conservationists are fishermen. You know, like we all agree that you know you've got to have that connection and that sustainability to mm. you know to be able to appreciate things and to, to eat. You know, like so it's it's yeah it's good in a polar bear. You say eat. Yes. Hilary, I think it's about time to turn tables. Okay. We've got one more talk before morning tea. Okay, well, I'd just like, but before we do, don't say tea, we'll lose everyone's attention. I just want to say, Dave Riley, thank you for coming along. Ollie Kerr, thank you for coming along. We'll get our next set of speakers up if our fishers will take their seats and if you take your seats again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much.